On today's podcast, we have Kayla Traudo-Leist. She was recently featured on the cover of New York Times. Join me now with Kayla. Hola, Kayla. Hola, Faith. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So you live in you live in Wisconsin. Yes, Wisconsin. And then you're married and you have three children. Yes, we have three. Um, nine, a nine-year-old now, eight-year-old tomorrow. Oh um, yeah, so he's gonna be eight tomorrow, and then our daughter is six. She'll be seven this summer. So one after the other. Yes. How are you recovering? Uh, from po- like postpartum? <laughs> I know, right? Like, I feel like I, I'm still in the postpartum like um, well, period. I mean, but yeah, well, I mean, your six year old, she's still in the thick of needing you, but she you really still, is. you should start to see the sunshine of them all becoming really independent because your nine year old is like mm-hmm. on the cusp of being totally embarrassed by you followed by that eight-year-old so you're really about to be you're going to be home free before you know it this is really encouraging because it's still very much like you said that they need me and that's perfectly fine I think it's like bittersweet you know I'm so glad that they're becoming independent and then at the same time it's like wow you know they are growing up so I'm kind of in that middle maybe like towards the end like that cusp of like really Seeing that, and I think now that they're all in school, I've really, really felt that. And so I think that the women that are in the thick of parenting, really, mm-hmm. from other mothers that are entering the tweens or teens, going, it's gonna get easier. It's gonna have different seasons of you know attached to it, but I promise it does get better. It does get <laughs> easier. Yeah, for us, <laughs> you're like three. We're, We're outnumbered. Yes, you're, uh, <laughs> I've heard that. I, you know, I thought I always wanted a ton of babies and the Lord said, we will give you one. And so I cherish it, but we mm-hmm. are, she just turned 11. So we're starting to see writing on the wall where it's like, okay, it's going to get easier in one way, yeah. but attitude will become difficult. And I'm, I think I'm prepared. Yeah. Emotion- <laughs> I think I'm prepared emotionally. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So you guys, so you guys live in, um, in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and then how did you meet your husband? In undergrad, I was an undergrad, both researching in our different areas. I was researching applied science and I was um, was interviewing um, native Spanish speaker migrants in Wisconsin and understanding, you know, how they read uh, discharge instructions from the emergency room department. So I wanted to understand their health literacy and how that impacted their outcomes. Wow. Um, And so uh, Benjamin, my husband, he was um, studying like medicinal plants. And so we were both selected to present our research at the Capitol in Madison, Wisconsin. There's like a few students, I think there was like maybe eight of us that were selected to present our research, had like a few meetings and our initial meeting, I of course was late (laughs) for the meeting. (laughs) And I had my poster and I was like, what? I was like, oh, okay, I gotta go to this meeting. And so I go into the room and so all my, we all know each other, except I didn't know my husband at the time. And so he's sitting down and he's got like this smile and I'm like, hi, hi. And so we're all laughing, you know, and I'm like, who is this kid with this smile? You know? <laughs> like, yes. I, just, I was just like immediately like drawn uh-huh. to him. Like, um, and he was just such a kind and um, respectful and just like really wonderful overall person. 
Plus I thought he was brilliant, which, you know, like when you have someone who you can speak to about so many different topics, for me, that's like, you know, I feel like that's like an irreplaceable kind of, um, well, you're an introvert. So if yes. you have a conversation with somebody and they make it easy for you, then I feel like you probably have a better sense of home or, you know, where you feel more comfortable with that person. So it sounds like he was brilliant and good looking and charming and, yes. and, and well-spoken and he had that smile. And he had that smile and we were just like, you know, we got along so well and we had so much in common, um, which was really great too. So then, um, you know, after our trip from Madison, like that same week, uh, I was just like, oh, I just, I knew at that point I was almost done graduating undergrad. I had already been accepted to, um, University of St. Thomas, um, for a dual degree in public policy and law. And wow. Yeah. You're and, smarty pants. No, no. <laughs> No, or maybe I just have so many interest spaces is what it is. I just have so many like interests and I just kind of like go for all the random or whatever I'm interested in. I have so many passions. But um, so he w- had already been accepted to medical school here in Milwaukee. Uh, so we were already like going two different paths. But I just I was just like who I, I just felt like this feeling um, that I just couldn't imagine like not getting to know him more. So my, when I told my roommate this at the time, she's like, well, then why don't you just ask him out on a date? You know? And I was like, oh my God, no, (laughs) I was always the one that allowed the guy to like pursue, you know, I was just always very like traditional in that way. way. Like I wanted, you know, the other to pursue me or whatever, but yeah. But I was like, um, okay, I guess. So I sent him an email. Hey, would you like to go um, and get some coffee sometime? And he emailed me like within a minute and he's like, sure. You know, (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. So that's what it's, that's what it started. We, um, that same week we met up at the coffee shop and we like talked and talked until they kicked us out of the coffee shop. Long story short, we got married within just four months, I think it was. So you mentioned language. Does he speak another language as well? Because you yes. speak you speak English and Spanish, correct? I do, I do speak English and Spanish and a little bit, a tiny bit of French that I study. Interested in like maybe learning more French, but then also Italian, because I feel like that would be an easy transition, like you said. Oh. But he, yeah, that would be like a lot of fun. It's but- so sexy too. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Isn't it like- so he speaks Spanish. He speaks Spanish. Um, he, uh, studied in Central America for a little bit for about six months. So he's fluent at this point and we raise our children bilingual. So that's been really nice. And, um, to be able to share that. I wish that I was, um, bilingual, that I could speak more than one, one language, but you know, hablo espanol un poquito. Yeah. Well, you sounded really, I was going to say, you sounded really good when you said hola Kayla in the beginning. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask is, um, are you Puerto Rican? Yes. Yeah. I'm Puerto Rican. Okay. Because there was a girl I worked with at um, Sherwin Williams and she came in and she was doing the MIT training and her name was Kayla as well. And she's she from Puerto Rico and her accent was so beautiful. I just love the Puerto Rican accent. It's really, I'm a sucker for accents. If you don't know that already, (laughs) I love love it. Okay. So you're raised in Puerto Rico. So how did you get from Puerto Rico to Wisconsin? Um, so, so I was actually born in the Midwest, but we did something like a reverse kind of migration oh. to Puerto Rico. 
Um, so, which is like, it's an actual thing that happens to Puerto Ricans where we move back and forth a lot from the mainland to Puerto Rico, the island. It's not like, it's not as complicated. So we did that about four times growing up. So I was born in Ohio, grew up between Ohio, Minnesota, and um, Wisconsin and Puerto Rico. That's so funny because you do, you said, you said like Minnesota. Yeah, like, Minnesota. <laughs> you say it like they say it, Minnesota. <laughs> it's, like it. a, it's like a, like a Spanish yes. Midwestern accent. Yeah. I, but it's fun. It's cute. <laughs> my parents actually raised us. So Spanish was my first language, even though I was born in Ohio. But in the process of learning about like Puerto Rican identity in graduate school here in Milwaukee, I learned that Lorraine, Ohio, where I was born, was the number one place for Puerto Rican migrants to migrate to in the Midwest. Yeah. That's so weird because you're going from one extreme climate to the the other in the Midwest of all places. And you can't Uh, find a, a more different like atmosphere. Yes. Yeah. And so when I was reading this, I was like, this is blowing my mind. You know, I'm like just going to graduate school. And here I see I'm finding documents of the first governor of Puerto Rico signed by him. Actual primary documents, you know, him talking to the mayor here in Milwaukee and just talking about how so many of these migrants are going here to work in industry. And so like learning about Lorraine, Ohio, learning about her history was just so incredibly impactful because I thought, wow, you know, here I thought it was just like this random place that my dad decided to move to. But in fact, it was because there were already so many Puerto Ricans there. So going back to like speaking Spanish as my first language, it didn't, I'd never felt like I was like an other in growing up because we went to um, a Spanish speaking church. You know, my father is a pastor. He still pastors in Puerto Rico. All of that was um, important for my parents to make sure that we embraced our language, um, our culture, and our experience. So for me, it was very marked. And in that way, I feel like my identity is really um, enmeshed in uh, not only in my parents, like being Puerto Rican and being a part of um, Boricua and that in our culture and our history and my ancestry. Um, but it was really, I really, I'm so grateful that my parents um, made sure that our lives growing up. How do you feel about someone like me? Mm-hmm thing that has to do with different like cultures and I'll give you an example and and I'd love to hear your thoughts my last name is Viriel but mm-hmm. we say Viriel because you know we're Texans and nobody can pronounce it and everybody called, you know he did, wasn't raised where they addressed that that they embraced it or anything in fact they probably masked it and went the other way because when his dad was born during World War II better for his dad to pass at, you know because right white. Mm-hmm. So I have a fiesta tree and it started out by an accident. It was when I was single and I went to like a resale shop and I mm-hmm. got a bag of these paper mache Christmas balls and they were this bright pink and they have these bold colors on them. And I think I got the whole bag for like $5 and there was a ton of them. Yeah. I love them. And I just stuffed them away. I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And you fast forward to 10 years later and I marry this boy and we have a child and we have a playroom. And I thought, I'm going to do a, I just dawned on me, I'm going to do a fiesta tree. 
I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what made me think of it. I'm going to do a fiesta tree because the ornaments were, you know, it said made in Mexico. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so when we travel to Mexico or when I see something that has fun and colorful, then I put it on the tree and I talk about it with my daughter and her, you know, the heritage that is there that we don't know that much about. And this is why mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, don't hide who you are, embrace it and love it because sometimes people in the past have been scared or yeah. embarrassed or ashamed and we don't want people to feel that way. Right. Well, and that is like a very like valid wanting to assimilate, especially like even in my research and my own experience was, a, was tied to our survival. You know, like yeah. when you are faced with like, you know, you either assimilate or you die or essentially like, are you, you know, so there was a abuse. Like a very, yes. So there's a very real, so like when mm-hmm. we think, right, we can go really deep into like oppression and talking about that. But when you're like at the surface, you know, when you are faced with survival or assimilation, yeah. there is a very real choice there that happens that we, right. When we are talking about people who have experienced oppression, it is kind of like, um, we need to understand just the complexity and then also the layers of why it would be um, a choice to assimilate, you know, yeah. because you're pay- faced with the question of survival. And I think like going back to um, talking about like integrating different cultures and, you know, in your home and decor, you know, with the fiesta, yeah. um, I think there's a very huge difference between like and I'm sure you're familiar with like cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation I give you an example of yeah of being from Puerto Rico and our experience of colonization so in the process of like colonization you know Puerto Rico many argue is still one of the last colonies in the world but this idea of colonization is that you know we were stripped away uh, from our culture right our language our indigenous languages and then, you know, in the, in our history, we've had, we have a lot of um, influences um, and uh, ancestors. And so in that process of colonization, we experience a lot of loss. When it comes to cultural appropriation. The idea is that, you know, you're taking something from a culture and not only not appreciating or highlighting where it's actually from, but saying that it's yours, like, and not even acknowledging it and, and, and taking it like you would, um, like I said, with the history in a malicious, um, and saying, you know what, this is, here is my fiesta tree, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, th- these are just colorful, um, ornaments, but not even addressing or acknowledging that, this is made by who knows indigenous right people most likely or what the history of this um, item is and what it meant what it meant to the people that made it and where it's from cultural bias like silks and different fabrics yes, right? and fabrics and I'm taking a little pause from that because I'm trying to see how I integrate it with my home decor <laughs> a little bit more with what I'm doing now um, but you know in the process of learning about plant dyes, it was learning how, you know, specific plants are made for specific, are used for specific purposes. And when a, an indigenous community no longer has access to those plants because they've been used for other reasons or purpose, there's a kind of um, 
colonial behavior that happens, right? It's like that taking away um, and not acknowledging and removing it from people who have historically been disenfranchised. And so I think that's another, that's like the bigger, um, I think, question and issue with cultural appropriation versus appreciation. And I think sometimes the other thing that I think that our own like American um, his, his, historically, right? It is our legacy that it's kind of like we feel entitled to a lot of things. And I feel like sometimes when it comes to other cultures, we feel entitled to just kind of just grab and take. However, I think that we need to learn to be able to appreciate something for what it is and just not like take it over. Yeah, not take it over. Can we just appreciate it for what it is and not just say, okay, I need it. I want it. I need to have it. I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that is also something that needs to be cultivated in this conversation of cultural appropriation and versus appreciation and, and just appreciating maybe from a distance instead of just wanting to have something that is not ours to take. College, you went to school? I went to UW um, Stout is where I from, graduated from, where I met my husband. Outside the home and you were, did you end up doing something with your degree? I, yeah, I feel like um, now even what I do with TikTok and social media is a little bit of what I studied. So I had a double major and a double minor in undergrad. With- oh, my gosh. <laughs> you, I mean, okay. your parents are, must be so proud of you. You're so kind, uh, Faith. I just, I think, I think it's just like, I'm just a multi-passionate individual, you know. Do you so, like learning, though? I think you might I like do. learning. I do love learning and I love um, talking about, you know, I love having these conversations or into, you know, going into the intellectual part of things and the philosophy of it. And I love having a good discussion and just being able to listen to other people too, um, I think is really important. Well, that's part of the introvert in you. We take it off your shoulders when we talk. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to listen. Uh, but, but okay. You guys lived in a one-bedroom apartment before you moved into this home that you're in now, right? So, um, so that was like our very first place was our one-bedroom together. And then we had a two-bedroom once we had our first and second. And then we moved into this small little cottage. Um, and it was, I think, it was a three-bedroom. Um, and it was about 1,200 square feet. Super cute little cottage in... Uh, Tosa, which Wauwatosa, which is a kind of like a little pocket suburb of Milwaukee. Um, and then after that, we lived there for about four years and then we moved here to our current home. And the reason why I bring that up is because I want people to understand, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on the podcast was, well, I first, I fell in love with you when I saw your mantle, when you wallpapered the mantle. Yeah. That, that's when I started following you. When I saw that and it would. I don't know if it was in the Grand Lineal style group on Facebook or if it was on Instagram. Instagram. Okay. It was Instagram. Well, that's, it was just random. Like the algorithm worked and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to know who this woman is that, (laughs) that wallpapered her fireplace because I hadn't seen that before and I see everything, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for somebody to stop me and design wise and for me to be attracted to it, I get very excited. I'm like, this is speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And it was in the spring because you had your you had your green bunny rabbits out. 
Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And I just was like, I got to get to know this gal. And then fast forward to recently, you just were on the cover of New York times and I could not be more excited for you. Um, Thank you. That is, that is so huge. So what I want to, I want people to understand is, you know, that How did I go from did, the spawn bedroom to here. Yes. How did you go from the bedroom? I can't, I can't read the article. It won't yeah. let me without paying 1777. And I want you to be celebrated. I think this is such a neat accomplishment and people need to understand, you know, you just didn't get to the beautiful home that you're in now. There was like such you know, steps. Yeah. yeah. There's so steps in your life as just being an adult from mm-hmm. going to one apartment, you know, to growing up and getting married and having children. I mean, this is taking time, but finding you and knowing you live in Milwaukee and there's beautiful homes and this elegant woman that decorates fabulous. Oh, and then all you. the, and then you get on the cover of new, I'm like, that is every girl's dream. I mean, that's my dream. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, they it just was, discover you. And oh yeah. my goodness. It was definitely like a dream come true. And um, also just like a really humbling experience because I would have never imagined that I would be in the New York Times. And then it was syndicated in the Seattle Times recently. Um, so that was really um, just amazing. For me, you know, the whole process of like getting into home decor and sharing our home was because um, like after I worked, I worked at, I worked as a clinical research coordinator. So a little bit of my um, using uh, my degree um, after I kind of stopped my first graduate school program, I started blogging um, and I had like this mom blog and it was um, called Mommy in Milwaukee. So So I did, so initially I started blogging because I um, decided to stay home after um, I had our first child because it was just like my husband was finishing, was almost starting residency. And it was just like one of those things where we were like, okay, is this something that do I want to work just to pay for daycare or should I just stay home right now and then work towards, right? You know, when you're with your partner and you're supporting both supporting each other. Um, it's kind of like that decision of like, okay, we'll work through this, like cutting back and making our budget work for me to stay home and for one parent to be present because during the process of like medical training, it is so incredibly intense. And my partner was really never home. Like he was Mm -mm. either studying or gone or, and so we were, it was a really, um, it was a. It it's was intense. In, yeah. Like it's intense. like he's working three full-time jobs at once because yes, he's, when he's not at school, like you said, he's studying and when he's present, he's sleeping most he's likely. Sleeping. <laughs> he's exhausted. Yeah. And he, and you know, I, my think I'm so grateful that even, you know, during the intensity, he was present, you know, and, um, tried to be there, you know, and whatever. And the, highest capacity that he could. Um, but I knew that it just, it, one of us had to be home, like, so that our children can have one of us during this process. And I knew it was going to be like going, walking into it, knowing that it was going to be a journey and that we would have to sacrifice. Um, but I think that's just, you know, I, I feel like sacrifice is a really strong word for people like, Oh, you shouldn't ever have to sacrifice for someone else. And I'm like, well, you know, for me anyway, in our, my relationship with my partner in our marriage, it has been that kind of 
um, giving and really compromising in order for us to get to that next level and that next step. Well, God um, knew what he was going to have for you. And so he, he, you know, your heart was open and, you know, you were ready to like, just take a step back and have a little time out and focus on your family. And he yeah. was cooking. He, he had something great for you. So he was cooking it all. He knew what he was doing. He was getting it all ready. <laughs> and it, it's, and I think, you know, I think like even now, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's hard to, because of the transition, having the kids at home, um, I've really like struggled with this idea. Like now, you know, I'm in our, our home and it looks very different, right? I'm decorating and um, it, it's not, you know, our one bedroom apartment. And for me, like being someone who has always been hyper independent, um, accepting care in this way has been difficult for me to be, to say, okay, I'm so grateful. I'm enjoying this and allowing myself to slow down mm-hmm. is a process. And, and I, and I think that, you know, I have friends who have also been on this kind of like medical journey and, and, and even not necessarily like in the medical um, field, but that can relate to just being okay with being in this place and not having to like be, I don't know, just busy just for the sake of being busy. If that oh, makes sense. Yeah. No, you know, that's, that's very good. Cause moms need to understand that it's okay to not say yes to everything and do all the things right. and just to kind of like sit in the season that you're in and kind of navigate it a little bit slower. Yeah. And on the outside. And I think like the one thing that, just to kind of tighten it's just that uh, from the outside looking in like not everyone is going to understand that and that is okay but we all have you know it's between you and that and your partner and your family and what works best for your family you know and getting to that point I think is a process because I think it's hard not to be influenced or impacted by what others may think or not think, you know, and just this kind of like that struggle in our own mind of maybe it's kind of, I don't know if it's comparison or what it is, but um, I feel like that's been kind of a process. And just like, I'm at the point where um, it just doesn't affect me anymore. I just don't give a damn what other people (laughs) think, if that makes sense. No, but I think that's part of maturity too, is just to like snarl, stop, the noise yes get on the cover how they find you oh yeah so I started a TikTok about (laughs) like on a whim I started it for my small business first initially just kind of like randomly on my 36th birthday I was like well maybe this might be good for my um to share my small business and maybe share videos of how to make natural dyes and so it really took off my small business TikTok Um, I started, it was actually December of 2020. (gasps) So my birthday, yeah. So my 36th birthday, I was like, well, let me just go on, you know, and see. Um, So it took off and it did really well. And I had like a few of my videos really kind of go viral on there for my small, for my natural dyeing business. And I had so much product sell out because of the TikTok. Um, I would make silk naturally dyed mask. So that's what kind of like took off on there. Like an eye mask, like what you were to sleep in? No, the mask mask, like the silk mask for, um, for the pandemic. Oh, 
okay, yeah. okay. Like wearing to protect yourself. Like yes, to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I started making those. And so like that. the Very chic. Yeah, they were. And they are like, you know, protective wise and for your skin. And so it was a really great um, product that we started making. And so it kind of just it I would sell out, you know, because of the TikTok. But every once in a while, I would um, show parts of my home on there just kind of like randomly. And I would get so many questions like, oh, where do you live? And I would share our, our garden. And so um, there was a lot of questions and I started kind of posting some home videos. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should just separate the two, you know, my small business and maybe have a personal TikTok. So I ended up splitting the two that spring, summer of um, 21. And I started my personal TikTok and I started sharing kind of home and our home library and like really some of my videos really took off on there sharing more of our home. And then I found that there was like, there's kind of like a really big community on TikTok that loves kind of like our style, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the blue they and do. white. Yeah. Yes. The, the kind of like more classic decor, the wood, you know, all of this like style that we really enjoy. Uh, and I was just so happy to see that, you know, I love color. I like the blue and white. I love, um, the warm woods and which is kind of a little different from what I think the majority of people had been seeing before. Um, and once I started doing that, I had like a few videos go viral. And so back to the cover, the journalist that reached out to me, um, she found one of my TikTok videos. She found my video where I shared our home library and I had a chintz ottoman in there that was like the floral chintz Mm -hmm. and it had like pleats on the side and it was just you know a cozy little video that I made and she was writing a piece on how chintz is coming back unbeknownst Mm -hmm. to me like I had no idea that this was coming I love it I love it and the grandfather of chintz I know yeah like I was just like you know decorating what I thought um this house this home needed I feel like this decor really fit this house and that's what got me into it. And so, yeah, so like the rest is history. So she re- reached out to me and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe like the New York Times is reaching out. Um, and yeah, so she interviewed me after that um, conversation. She's like, you know, I'm going to send a photographer to photograph your home. And <gasps> I really think, yeah, she's like, I really think that it's going to go into print and, you know, what a huge honor, right? To go into print, like to even be, re- to have someone reach out to me from the New York Times and have me online, huge deal. Right. Um, yeah, like such an honor, but to go into print really is just kind of like next level for me to have that. It's the New paper. York Times. Yeah. This is the isn't Trophy Club Gazette. This is yeah. the New York <laughs> Times. Yeah. And it's so funny. You know, I have been online, like as a blogger before, as I mentioned for like years, I was online for maybe seven, eight years. And then I had a different uh, Instagram to my old blog. And I kind of was just feeling, I always felt so like included just because I was like this, like Latina that would share random (laughs) stuff. And there were different kind of uh, movements on Instagram. So before Mm -hmm. even like 20, when everything happened with George Floyd, there was like a previous kind of movement on there where people began talking about race and, you know, all of these different things that were happening. 
here in the US and I started talking about that too. And during that time, I had gone back to graduate school. And so, like I mentioned, like 2016, I was talking about, you know, my research and about Puerto Rican identity. And I started sharing those pieces on my Instagram. And so it kind of got, got away from like that mommy blog thing. And that was, I think, hard for some of my followers. And so it became was like, oh my gosh, why are you talking about this? And I'm like, well, I think this is important, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of that friction of, uh, of um, you know, stepping away from kind of like the mommy blog type content and sharing more of my heart, of my- Well, self-growth. Um, I think yeah. self-growth, like you grew as a person and yeah. this is something that's important and that you wanted to have a conversation about. Yeah, and, and so social justice. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's what yeah. you were bringing to light. You weren't going to stay stuck in that mommy phase where you were having bottles and diapers and like you're going to grow as a person. This is a natural progression to yeah. bring, up, bring up other topics. Thank you for that. And and I, you know, so speaking about social justice was just something that um, was very natural for me to share and in that progression of changing, going back to graduate school. And so, um, that's so I ended up deleting that account. And so TikTok, so jumping back to TikTok really gave me, got me back to that creativity aspect of it, you know, and finding a community there that was just so interesting, so interested in me sharing our home and that creativity of like home decor and home design was just so fun again for me because it was kind of exhausting to just focus on Uh, your fabrics where you just get tired of it (laughs) you know I it's a different kind of like when you're doing it's a different vibe don't you think it's a a different vibe absolutely and very easy for me to like make a video of our home and share you know I'm if I'm decorating I recently just finished our dining room and that's like so fun for me and it's like easy and they're just like well you know it's easy for us right because it's when you're a creative person, I feel like it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, I'm just recording this and this is easy. But it's actually like, I think, allowing myself to feel like, well, this is actually a gift. And, mm-hmm. you know, like it's... it's Savor it. Yeah. Like, um, and I think that's a process. So, yeah. So back to the New York Times, it was a huge honor. And to be seen in that way was... Um, really humbling too. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity. What does your parents think? Did they tell everybody? Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're like, Oh my gosh, Kayla. Your dad's telling the been... congregation, go buy all the copies. <laughs> it's so funny. I had to like call our local like Barnes and Noble because I couldn't find the newspaper anywhere. <gasps> no. Yeah, yeah. But then I, I did, they actually had one copy left. And so I had my copy oh, and man. I sent pictures to everyone and um, yeah, it was just a really, really special experience. Well, if I would have had my thoughts together in my head, I would have bought a copy and then shipped it to you. And I didn't even think about that. Oh, so no, next please. time you're on the cover of something, I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to buy it and make sure that there's an extra copy towards you or get you to sign it and send it back to me. Have you had anybody ask for your autograph? Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> Would that be so fun? That's so funny. I, I sometimes I feel like I do sometimes when I was like doing my mommy blog, I would get recognized like in Milwaukee a lot, you know, and I would have people approach me and stuff. But I don't know that I'm always like, oh, you know, 
when I have somebody like staring at me or something, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if maybe they recognize me from TikTok. But I really haven't had anybody like come up to me or anything like that. Well, you don't um, know where the where this is going to lead to. And mm-hmm. you are a person of color and a woman that has on the cover of New York Times. It is a huge deal. The, well, you, it was, the, yeah, and the style, the style. <sighs> I just yeah. think you're going to influence so many young people and encourage them. Can we go over the paint colors in your house? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know this with all the guests. I'm sure you know. I did forget to do it with one of the guests, but that's okay. But I try. I try. Um, yeah. I know you just recently finished painting your dining room, and you did it in a bare color, and it's really beautiful. I think like a sage green, you know, not quite yes. minty. It has more of a yellow because we have um, – rim in there it's more of like a beige yellow and so I didn't want to like redo the whole trim in there because it was you know in great condition yeah anyways it really does (laughs) and I was like you know are we gonna change it no let me just work around you know the paint colors and yes so this sage green has a kind of like yellow undertone so it really uh, freshened up the space um and it was just it just is so soothing it is just like a really soothing color and I think it looks so elegant. So I ended up using um, even better beige as an accent for a um, stencil that I did in there on the wall in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just worked out really, really beautifully against the, the green is called Jungle Camouflage, also by Bear Paint. And then what, what wallpaper is on your fireplace? The, you have a blue and white. Yeah, so the blue and white is from Serena and Lily, and I actually think they discontinued it, and I was so bummed because I wanted to put more of that in our bathroom, Um, but they have, it's called, it's the Verona, um, not the Verona, yeah, I think it's the Verona wallpaper, and it's the blue and white, and it also came in a different color, Um, but I really love the Serena and Lily wallpaper. I feel like it's really thick and easy to work with um if you're not like a professional wallpaper uh, or person (laughs) like I am I've just kind of like learn as I go and I feel like it's really forgiving because it's so thick well Um, that's we I had to frame the bottom has the white tile that we ended up so all of the white in our house is simply white by Benjamin Moore that's good to know yeah so we have a lot of wood um, as you know, so like in our, the wood in our home is all cherry wood. Um, the wood in our home library is much darker because it's original to the house. Uh, so eventually the cherry wood in our family room will darken over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we thought that like a whiter, you know, we needed a white with like a yellow or warmer undertone that would, wouldn't look as stark against the wood. So that worked out really great. And so in on our fireplace, that tile used to be kind of like this really ugly, <laughs> like kind of like black and had like, was it just wasn't as, I think, aesthetically pleasing. And I thought that we could paint it in the simply white. So we had that enameled and now they look like these really pretty kind of Spanish white tiles. They do. Mm-hmm. It gives it uh, a nice texture that you wouldn't have seen before. Yeah, the texture. Exactly. Like you can really appreciate the texture more now. Um, and then with the wallpaper, it just um, kind of really elevates it. Um, and I think it just gives it a different feel altogether. 
So what room is the brown room? The dark um, brown on the wall. Oh, so that, yeah. So that is um, called Dark Truffle and it's also by Bear Paint. I love Bear Paint. I actually just recently did a, with our dining room, I did a sponsor. They were, they sponsored my very first TikTok. So that was really exciting. That's um, so neat. Yeah. So I, but I've always been a fan of Bear Paint because I love the quality and selection. So that room, I painted it in the dark truffle, and it's actually like a really dark, um, it has burgundy undertones, but then also yellow and gold. So once you're in it, you know, in some of the photos, I feel like it really gives a darker black almost, but it's actually a like a really um, chocolate dark brown, like espresso almost with burgundy undertones. Well, that's good to know. What is it called again? Dark Truffle. Dark Truffle. That, I mean, it's a good brown. I've got lots of people that want to give. It is such true, a great brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. a true chocolatey type of brown. And yes. the paint line that I work with, it, it makes it a little difficult. So, And then you have a yellow closet. Yeah. Okay, so that yellow closet is um, saffron strands. And oh my goodness, at the top of my head, I don't remember if it's um, Sharon Williams. I don't want to say the wrong brand name, but it is Saffron Strands. I really wanted kind of like a bright, like a brighter color. So because it's in the winter, I mean, it's already snowing, but it gets really sad, like in February, March here. Yes. (laughs) The cold weather. So I wanted something to wear, like when I opened it up, it would just be cheery and happy in there. Um, And so that's like a really, it almost looks... It, it is kind of like a, it is like a saffron, but I feel like it gives a little bit more turmeric yellow. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's, it's clean, but muted and has a lot of richness to it. I haven't yeah. seen a color like that. Okay. Your, your half bathroom. Can we talk about that for a second? You have a green wall in there and you did the wallpaper yourself. I did. Yes. Okay. So before you wallpaper, you have to float a wall. Did you have to do that yourself? Um, so did you just do it on top of it? I, so when you say float, explain to me (laughs) because I'm not a professional. No, it looks, I mean that I'm, I just can't get over how good it looks. And I'm like, we have a wall. I have, I have a personal agenda. We, my husband is in the process of floating a wall and I'll Mm -hmm. tell you what it is for those of you that don't know, before you wallpaper a wall, it needs to be as smooth as possible because Mm -hmm. it will highlight flaws. So a lot of people in the United States have what they call orange peel on mm-hmm. the walls. Other people will have different types of troweling. And then um, in other countries, you know, you'll have plaster and it can be smooth or troweled. So my question, because you did your own wallpapering and my wallpaper guys set to come December 6th. And my husband is in the process of floating the wall, which means smoothing it out with, um, you know, it's the, basically a putty or a paste. Okay. And so, so I just mm-hmm. didn't know, did you do that? Cause we're in the thick of it and it yeah. is so, it's so hard. So I ended up, yeah, I actually, but I didn't do it with putty though. I just kind of, I went with kind of a sander on the wall. Okay. And, My husband pitched that idea to me and I yes. was like, no, no, yeah. no, let me do some research. Let me find out. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to get the sander out. And I'm like, oh, yes. Lord, so, hurry yes. up. <laughs> Because I really wanted, I also wanted, I was like, I know for sure I need to have a smooth wall back there. Um, okay. 
So okay, I did I'm sand on board it. Now. Yeah, yeah, I did sand it. It was, and I felt like it was pretty straightforward. I used a really low uh, grit on there just so that it wouldn't um, chop it yeah. up. And I did mostly, you know, the walls in there were pretty smooth, but there was a little bit of, um, yeah. it wasn't quite orange peel, but, you know, just kind of some of those peaks. So I smoothed it out all the way through. And then, yeah, I did the, the wallpaper. Girl, it looks so good. Okay. My, my million dollar question is, was the toilet paper roll and the legs on the pedestal sink, sink were, were those already there or did you add them? No, those, the, those were there. Yeah, they were there. We got so lucky. <laughs> it was um they're brass bamboo yeah. and they look so good. Thank you. And that's a that is a a um marble. Oh not marble. Yeah, I think honed marble sink on the top. And it's original to the nineteen fifties home. So I feel like timeless design really. Like that yeah. is I mean, if you went to, you know, uh, home decor that it'll be there um, because it's so timeless so we got really lucky and the brass in there all of the sconces was already there so that's why I chose the green because I thought it would just look so like a little gem of a space and the green in there is um, vintage vogue which is my favorite like deep green to use on the walls I also yeah. painted my my seating area upstairs in that vintage faux green. Um, and I think it's just so regal. It's beautiful. It's the colors. You know that I'm a color consultant. So, yeah, I always have opinions. I love it. You did so good. Thank you. If you ever have anything else you're working on color wise, hit me up and we'll collaborate. Oh, I will. Fixed up because it'll be so much fun. You've done such a good job. How did you? Did you know that you enjoy decorating as much as you are doing now publicly? Because you didn't start out doing this and you've just evolved as a human and highlighted these different things that you've been cultivating. I mean, yeah. has this always been an interest that you had decorating and designing or is it just uh, kind of grown? Well, I've always loved beautiful things, you know, <laughs> what is that like thing? It's like, you know, my life, <laughs> I, I have always appreciated beautiful things, beautiful rooms. Like it's just, I love you. you know, and it could be, <laughs> you know, get a yeah, yes, yes. Um, cause I think maybe it's my Libra rising, you know, I just love beautiful things and <laughs> I just, you know, even when, you know, we were in our one bedroom, um, I would share little pieces of our apartment on my blog and I would make wherever we were um, to the best of my ability, whether it was thrifted, whether it was secondhand, whether it was me DIYing something from Craigslist, I always made it a point to make it as beautiful as I felt I could. Um, and so I think that has always been um me, you know, true to me and who I am. I think now, obviously, like we have more um, accessibility and I have more resources and I could really go grand, you know, with our spaces. Um, but knowing what it's like to to appreciate and, and make a space beautiful with next to nothing um, is something that, you know, I will always hold near and dear to me. I just, I remember like chatting with my friend and saying, you know, I, when I was um, working with brands as a small time blogger in our two bedroom apartment, I would make 
uh, our spaces look like um like they were so huge, like a million bucks. But it was because I would like angle the foot, you know, the camera, yeah. and I would make it look, you know, just bigger than it was. And I feel like that really stretched my creativity. Like it really stretched my, um, yeah, my creativity and ability to to decorate with not not having much and having minimal like space. And so um, I think now you know, it's, it's fun and really like, um, back and at my, my journey and, and decor and, you know, embracing where we are now and being grateful for, for that too. For home decorating that you're just dying to share. You're like, girl, when are you going to talk to me about decorating? I, I'm like, I just want to find out who you are. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> so kind. Um, I, I could talk, I could talk to you for a very long time. I think Faith. Um, yeah. So, because I love wallpaper, I really do, but I feel like wallpaper can get really super expensive and it's a lot of work, um, you know, if you're doing it by yourself um, and even with professionals, you know, it's a process. I would not recommend enough stenciling a space, like stenciling <gasps> it well. Wow. I didn't think about that. Yes. Because yes. you just did that in your dining room and it looked I fabulous. Did. Yes. I feel like if you get a really high quality stencil, which, you know, sometimes... Um, they can go, the stencil that I purchased for the dining room was like $125 because it was a big stencil. But you know, if you're comparing that to a yardage of wallpaper, you're really saving money. And it really just takes a little bit more time to, um, you know, get the stencil right. But if you get a, um, I just recently purchased and actually let me walk over so I can give you the exact name. Yes. It was a game changer for me. It's called um, repositional tacky spray. I lay it on the stencil and it becomes kind of like this giant sticker. Oh. Hands down, easiest thing I ever, ever had to do. I, I sprayed it on the stencil. You let it dry for about three to five minutes and then you stick it on the wall, you know, after you've painted your base color and you stencil it. And I cannot tell you just how easy it was to do, but then also it just looks so gorgeous like it looks really rich the details really pop and I think you know using a darker base um paint uh, if you're doing stenciling is the way to go because it's so much easier to correct your mistakes if you use a darker base and a lighter color to pop on there um and yeah I feel like it was a huge game changer so like if you are someone who wants to use wallpaper but maybe you don't commit to the wallpaper and, or maybe you just want to like save some money, go for the stencil. Go for the stencil. I love it. Is there anything that your, that your mama taught you about your home that we need to make sure that the world knows that your mama taught you? Yes. We, it's, you know, we went, hi mama. Hola. Hola Hola, mommy. (laughs) Hola mommy. Does she go by Tita or Ita or anything? Um, She goes by Tita. For um, some of the grandkids, yeah, Tita yes. or Abuelita, Abuelita. Um, you know, my mom is a huge creative. You know, growing up, she would actually paint on our walls. She would create our, like her own stenciling wallpaper. Um, and we, she would like paint like different cartoons for us. Okay, then that's why you were brave enough. Yeah. On. <laughs> mom inspired you. Okay, yeah, that, she, and, I was like, I think I would be a little intimidated. Yeah. 
and you and went she, for it. Mm-hmm. And she was also very, um, you know, we didn't have much growing up, but the way that my parents took care of our furniture, every, we were nine kids total, Faith. Like, they're a huge family. Why have- did you leave me out of this information? <laughs> I have seven brothers. I know it's huge. One sister. So we're nine siblings all together. And then my parents. So 11. So we grew up. Yeah. So imagine a Puerto Rican family in the Midwest with next to nothing. Um, and yeah, it was nine quite kids. the, yes, quite the interesting stories and that I could go on forever, but uh, I'm listening. <laughs> so it was so funny. So growing up, we laugh about this now, but my parents would cover our couches in like this kind of plastic just so that it would, so that it wouldn't get dirty. So like this kind of like sense of care for the things that we had and just making sure that our home was always tidy and taken care of. I get that from my parents 100%. And my mother, her creativity, her, um, you know, stretching what we had, you know, to the, to as much as she could. Um, I get that from her too. And so. Well, your mom did not mm -hmm. want those seven boys messing up her nice furniture. I know. (laughs) Yeah. We we even had plastic runners. It was intense. (laughs) Well, now, now we have, you know, different cleaning products and stuff, you know, now there's different things to protect it, but I mean, I get it. I mean, there've been times when we put blankets and stuff on our furniture, you know, depending on what animal or child is yeah. in the presence. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. Your, your um, social media. Oh, so my media is TikTok right now. I'll use the stories. I'll, I'll post videos on there. And then also it's under Kayla Trotto Leist on TikTok and then Kayla Trotto Leist on Instagram. And that's, you spent part of your day with me and I know that you have some sick babies, but hopefully they're all now on their way to yes, be to good for the rest yeah. of the holidays. Yes. Fingers crossed. But thank you so much for having me, Faith. This was such a joy to speak with you this morning.